You're not going to let me get security what? updates yeah. because <laughs> of security. Fuck you. And welcome to episode number 234. That's right. 234 of Grumpy Old Men's Wednesday, September 13, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where a new Xfinity gateway is on the way. And from America's left coast, where I could really use a vacation. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Aren't you taking one? Yes, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going with Bemlet. So how much of a vacation can that actually be? Although, wait, you're leaving the wife at home, right? We, yes, the wife is being left at home going with, with Bimlet and our friend Rachel and our other friend Colin. A lot uh, of drinking involved? Uh, well, I've been told to bring booze. I am limiting myself. I'm only bringing one bottle of rye whiskey. What size bottle, though? Uh, the 750. Okay, so it wasn't like what, a one what point. used to be called a fifth. Right. No, so they the, shrunk it. Because now they have like the, what, 1.75 you can get them up to? Yeah, the, yeah. what used to be called a half gallon and then became 1.75 liters, yes. Yeah, well, of course, we have to change. Everything must change. Shrinkflation. We have a uh, gateway and route. UPS at any moment will be dropping off my new Xfinity gateway. Will that solve the problem? Uh, <laughs> You're funny. I know. I know. I'm not really expecting it to, but the problem does continue. Every morning between like three and four thirty, the internet connection goes down. So I thought, you know what? I am going to beat this mofo at its own game. I created my own sleep sound. I put the Plex server on, on my NAS and I started running that and that was fine. And then I realized this morning at four thirty when it went silent that even though I'm streaming locally, the Amazon device, I guess if it loses connection to the mothership goes, whoa. So you're, you're on the right track here yeah. for deciding to use local media files rather than streaming your white noise from the internet. But I still think you're missing the point of trying to use an MP3 and a speaker and a Plex server in order to make white noise. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I mean, the next, the one I know wouldn't disconnect would be to play it through my uh, Ankyo amplifier and uh, JBL speakers. And then just, uh, that's a slight bit of overkill. I think, you know, when we were kids, this was a really easy problem to solve. You just leave the TV on and at 2 AM every day, the station would actually go off the air and your TV would just be spewing white noise. Yes. Quite often, though, they played, was it at the end or maybe at both? At the beginning and end of their broadcast day, you would get the national anthem. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Uh-huh. That was, that was if, if I fell asleep on the couch, that was always the cue. You hear the national anthem, it's, oh, time to go to bed. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, <laughs> wait, it'll wake you up. Surely you're like, oh, no. It's the end. And then they had the message like, WFLT has reached the end of its broadcast day. Yeah. I, is there a single stream or show or channel anywhere that actually shuts off every day now. No, I, well, I'm sure there are some radio stations perhaps that still do that. 
Like even the hog story stream is 24 seven keeps going. Right. You expect it to be there. If you're like, I want some hog. You just expect it to be there. I mean, a big part of that is that 2 a.m. here is not 2 a.m. anywhere in other time zones. It changes everywhere. Yeah. So time the, is very confusing. Things are not low. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see. Time is I'll, an illusion. Lunchtime doubly, doubly so. so. Yeah. Douglas Adams. What a genius. But I have noticed that's the one beautiful thing about the DSL report site. I think it's called broadband reports now. Is you can find people that are having the same problem that you are. And I've found people from California over to the East coast, all having the issue of, yep, my modem's resetting every morning between three and 5. AM for no apparent reason. Every so day this could be a software thing. Yes. And I don't know if it's like something in the modem got bored. Cause at first, the only thing I thought, well, maybe this was part of the issue the first like three or four people that chimed in that they were having the same issue had the same gateway and were also doing the rarity, at least for most people. I mean, not for the power users, not for people listening to grumpy old Ben's, but most people just get it and use the Wi-Fi from the cable modem gateway that Xfinity's given you yeah. where I turn that off immediately and turn it into a, the bridge mode so I can use my own router. Everybody having the issue am, was running in bridge mode. Am I the only person remaining in the entire country who actually has a wire running from my computer to the router? I do. I don't use it for this machine. <laughs> I don't use it for the wife's machine. I don't use it for all of the NAS devices that are in the basement. I don't use it for the computer that runs the troll room and other things 24-7. Like when you've debugged enough computer problems and networking weirdness going down, stuff randomly disconnecting, at some point you're like, Wi-Fi is just another thing in the chain that can break. Yes, which the only thing I use it for are the phones and the tablets, and every now and then I'll pull my laptop out. If my phone had an Ethernet jack, I wouldn't even use the Wi-Fi for that. Oh, no, hell yeah. I would have a cable <laughs> sitting right there by the couch be like, what are you doing? Plugging this into my phone. Yeah, they have I mean, an Ethernet to USB. You could probably find an Ethernet to USB adapter, though, and that might work. My my old phone, which is nothing more than a podcast player anymore, I still actually do that. I plug it into USB to sync. Yeah, the uh, net. I know I'm weird. Net net in the troll room having you know issues. Everybody tells you it was no, it's your mesh network. It's this. It's not. Oh no, we don't see that problem. No, nobody else is having that issue. And then you post it online, and you get like well, a groundswell. See, what you should do is just call up the extremely helpful people at Xfinity Tech Support because they always can get right to the bottom of your problem, assuming your problem can be solved by turning it off and back on again. They always try that. That's the first thing they try. Like, did you try turning it? Can you please turn it off and back on again? I did that at 3 a.m. Next. I will say, and I've sang their praises before, that the people that man the Twitter Xfinity care, whatever they call it, Xfinity support, Xfinity cares, whatever bullshit name it is. No, they don't. They uh, are actually helpful where they, again, I don't know, maybe it's because they can see a log of our past interactions. When you go there, at least when I go there, I don't get the usual bullshit of like, oh, check this, check this, check this, because usually I have like way more information than they have. 
and you're so is get- there like is there a threshold of number of calls that you have to call into a place like that before they finally start connecting you with somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about? When you do it on the phone, it seems yes, because that's oh. why I stopped doing the call in years ago and just started going with the Twitter people because one, they seem to know more, they seem to be able to do more, including help you get a better rate on your bill, which is also, you know, fine. Cause you don't have to sit on hold and wait for somebody. And you know, they're going to do the, well, we're going to send a signal to your modem because they have to, you know, get the diagnostics or whatever they have to run. But beyond that, he's like, okay, well, I've done everything I could here. you know, do you want me to run a tech, you know, you well send a tech to the house. And you know, the only caveat they give, which I think is bullshit, but I understand it because people are fucking stupid is that if the problem is in the house, if the problem is something that I have caused, they could charge you for the tech visit. I've never been charged, but them telling you that, well, yes, Mr. O'Neill, we can send a tech to your house. But if we find out that the problems with your side of things, then you're going to be charged for the visit. Of course, if it's on our side of things, there's no cost whatsoever. So it's kind of like, do you feel lucky? And I do, because I know that nothing's screwed up in the house. At least far as I know, I mean, we could have a rat infestation or something. Nick could be down in the basement gnawing on the cables, but that's doubtful. So we'll see. But if the new modem doesn't work, then yeah, then you can send a tech. Did you mute yourself? No, no, actually, I was just waiting to see how long you'd go on. I was like, is he okay? It worked last time. I know, like, is he okay? Something. And, and our donations went way up when I went silent last show. So. You should do that more. I, I was just thinking I'd go ahead and let you talk once in a while. You're like grumpy old Ben's now it with 33% less Memrose. And I was looking up uh, an XKDC, XKCD comic that uh, seemed to re, uh, relate exactly. Uh, number 806. I dropped the link in the troll room. Well, it says, uh, you know, tech support saying, oh, restart my computer. I know you have a script to follow, but the uplink is going off every few hours. The problem is between your office and the modem. My computer, no, uh, you know, no, what I need you to do, uh, can you look around for someone wearing cargo pants and a subway map on their wall? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we need right now. Yeah. <laughs> because that's it. And it's like, okay, I, and that's still... The only thing that drives me nuts, well, not the only thing, but with the tech support at Xfinity, you know, that is the one thing that drives me nuts, which is the pretending of we've never heard of this before. It's like, well, you should go on the Internet. You'll see a lot of people complaining about the same thing. But it, it, it is literally their job to not have heard of that. Before. Yes, <laughs> we have not heard of this before. It's totally surprising. But it's like, well, before you send a tech, why don't you just send a new modem? Because that would be if the signals are good and it's always happening at that time. And just to be sure, I need to know, did you try turning it off and back on again? Multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that's the only thing I haven't done is unplug it for an hour or more and let the thing. But it went when they did the the hard reset the one thing it did do was changed my ip range from one that started with a 74 back to one of the old comcast which was a 24 which all of a sudden my i went and it's like oh wait and i knew the ip address changed because i went to irc and the bouncer was like 
Nope. And like, who the hell are you? Uh-huh. I'm like, damn it. New IP range. So I'm like, Void Zero, help me, please. New IP range. Help me, Void Zero. Help. You're my only hope. Yes. And in this case, he is. So, I mean, it's always good that Void Zero is there. But the time thing is there as well because he fixed it like at three in the morning my time, which is probably right about when Comcast was going to unplug me again anyway. So. It's a good thing he doesn't need you for that. I know. No, it's, uh, I like I said, I'm not feeling very confident that the problem will be fixed, but it'll be good for something else to complain about uh, next show. So I'm basically already out the door trying to pack and scramble. And, you know, we, I'm going away for uh, five days, I think. Well, we've to- known for a while you'd be going away at some point. Yeah, they they're coming to take me away. Ha ha. <laughs> hey, Napoleon, the what eight? What was I forget the number now? Napoleon, the what did that song? Don't recall because there was like a really large number at the end of Napoleon. They're coming to take I, me away. Yeah, I never caught the first seven. Really? Well, you should. They were they were fantastic. And uh, two now weeks from today, I will say, on uh, the twenty seventh, it is the wife's birthday. She's off, so I'm I'm gonna be punting. No. Uh, if you want to find a co-host, uh, maybe oh, I see how it is. Yeah. Yeah. The wife. Wait, wants wait, to- wait, what are you like? What are you doing? That takes all day. I don't you know. Take two hours out of your day to put up with my bullshit. You know, I mean, she would be much happier to let me do that. If the, if the donations were rolling in where she could buy, you know, even a Lego yeah. with the money coming in. Yeah. If there were enough donations coming in that you could just buy her stuff, but instead she wants to spend time with you. Right. Which, you know, again, I would prefer to buy her stuff. So is, is this the, uh, Ned, Ned wants to know, is this the J, new Jay Inslee re-education camp that you're going off to? <laughs> uh, no, we're, uh, we actually, I think we did this last year as well. Either last year or two years ago, we went uh, on a vacation sometime in September, kind of a end of the summer thing uh, to go. Last time we went down to Vancouver and Portland, and this time we're going to Spokane to play a bunch of disc golf courses that we had not seen before and wouldn't normally have any reason to. Okay. So, wait, wait, wait. Well, how many, how many disc golf courses are there in the great Northwest? Oh, probably a few hundred. Really? Yeah. I don't know if there are, I mean, I mean there have to be some in my area here, but to, I've never seen one. To my knowledge, there's, let's see, I'm trying to count the ones that, how many have I played? I've played uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I played nine in this county, and I'm sure there's some I have missed. No, ten. It's one in Monroe. Um, uh, there's not quite as many where where Bemlet is, but uh, there's there's quite a few out there. It's it's becoming a fairly popular thing. It's basically golf with uh, almost no green fees. Most places a lot easier to get into because what's a set of golf clubs? A few hundred dollars. Uh, At least. disc golf you can get into by getting a ten dollar disc. Usually you get a pack of discs for 25. Um, So it's a pretty easy thing to get into. And it, here's what I like about it. Other than uh, even a few years in and playing on and off, I still suck at it and would never go do a tournament partly because I don't have anything to prove, but it's, it gets me out of the house. It gets me walking around in a park. It's beautiful in the summer when it's still sunny and pretty outside. Uh, it, it gets it, it's exercise. It's just like going out and and not quite walking because you're also exerting yourself, at least the way I play, because I throw really hard. Um, not quite jogging because I'm still walking between holes. I'm not going to run this 
fat ass. I'm not going to, I don't do jogging, but um, you don't get a cart exercise. like in, in regular golf where you could just have somebody drive you to the next. No, shot. well, actually we did play a course a few weeks ago, which was a converted golf course. Now, when you're swinging a metal stick at a little tiny aerodynamic ball, those things will go, uh, what, like four or 500 yards. Um, if you're, if you're a professional, golf, yeah, maybe, but yeah, well, I, I don't know. I don't, I, it's been a long time since I've swung a golf club, but I know, you know, so what are you, okay. 300, say 330 yards. So a uh, thousand feet. I mean, that's, that's a pretty decent drive, but it'll go that far. Well, a plastic disc does not go that far. First of all, you measure in feet, not yards. And a really, really good throw will go 400 feet if you're really powerful and good and have a great aerodynamic disc. So the course is smaller. And we, this one was a converted golf course. And we had to, we didn't use one of the carts that were available because we didn't want to rent one. But we, what the? What's going on? I don't know. Something outside is squealing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it's not killing any of my cats. Just another anyway, satisfied customer. Uh, this particular one, we probably got five miles of walking in just over the course of the converted golf course. But anyway, I do it because it's exercise. I do it because, uh, you know, I enjoy getting outside and doing something that isn't in front of a computer screen. I, I know that's really weird, especially for someone like me. I do it because. We go out there and, you know, if, if it's, if you're feeling frisky, you take an ice chest full of beer and you drink a beer on each hole and then it gets right. really interesting. Yeah. And NetNet says there's one in Northern Michigan that's on the grounds of a winery. So I'm guessing that's the same kind of a concept. Uh, Could be. But I looked it up here. Just, just This will show you how in tune I am with things. How far do you think it is from my house to the closest disc golf place in the uh, area here? 37 blocks. 0.6 miles. So what? Like four oh, blocks? Less than that then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can be there in two minutes. <laughs> I did not so know. So all you need is something to throw. Just yeah. grab some dishes. There you go. That would be great. They're not very aerodynamic and you don't get to throw them very many times before they, they lose even more of their aerodynamics. But now is it like the uh, golf thing where you have the cheaters, where you have the golf balls that are not legitimate. They're not, uh, within the spec of the, like the PGA, are there people that try to get by with like rigged up uh, discs? Can you do whatever you want to the discs? How does that all work? I, I, I am not certain. There is a tournament organization called the PDGA professional disc golf association. And there's a bunch of tournament rules and what's official for that. And me, the way I play, I don't even care. You know, I actually decided at one point I was going to just play with a softball, just throw like a little <laughs> spherical ball. Turns out though, that doesn't, that doesn't work very well. Well, trust me, these discs could kill somebody you hit them with, but um, that doesn't work very well because the thing you're trying to shoot for is a basket that has like five, six inch holes in it. And those holes aren't large enough for a full 10 inch disc, but the things that are smaller anyway, I don't know. There, there's probably cheaty type discs. I, I haven't personally encountered many of them. Is there big money? Do you bet on this when you're out there? Do you and Bemlet? Is this like where the brotherly competition comes out? No, no. Because if we ever got into that kind of competition, it would quickly devolve into a fist fight. Which and would be entertaining. 
which is why you bring other people because then they can bail you yeah. out of whatever jail that you would go into for. And honestly, I mean, you know, the prospect of a fist fight with my brother, it, I mean, I, sure, I'll get in a fist fight with most people, but he's bigger than me and I don't like to get into fights I'm going to lose. Well, I mean, you had your chance. I mean, you had a good, like what? 15 oh, I had like years. 15 years where I was, you know, three years older and therefore completely dominated. There was a, there was a point after my first semester at, at college when I was away and he finally was on his own and starting to come in and had a growth spurt because he was 17. Yeah. And uh, that is still my favorite to- story that you've ever yeah. told. Yeah. We're going somewhere and uh, we're driving along and he's like working up his, his courage and like, Brian, I just have to say this and I hope you won't get really, really mad, but if you pick on me like you did when we were kids, I'm going to hit back. And I look over at him and he's fucking filled out and he's now more muscular and bigger than I am. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That seems fair. <laughs> that seems totally legit. And it was nice that he gave you the warning that was like, yeah. <laughs> going to just wait it for the next time. And cause you still see him as the, you know, younger brother, I can still mess with them. And then he's like, Nope, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you cannot. That's the way it goes. You should have fun. And then, uh, you know, in yeah. a couple of weeks, people have a bring Bemlet on. We haven't had the fabulous. Hey, we have not had the Bemlet on in quite a while. Yeah. Pretty sure he's at work right now. But you can tell a great story. I mean, you can. Why don't you just uh, take your some recording gear? And while you're out on the uh, golf course, get some content, then just edit that together in a fabulous episode. I, I think you might be onto something. While drinking. So I've got, I brought tech stories today. Ooh, I have a few Ish. as well. They're tech-ish. They might tech-ish. kind of touch on tech at some point. Well, we are technically kind of maybe a tech show. We kind of maybe technically touch on tech at some point during our show. And we talked about internet. That's enough. Yeah. Hey, you know, we're, we're actually covered. Let's start, talk more about golf. Yes. Regular golf or uh, disc golf. I don't know. I'm not really good at either one. Well, yeah, I'm, I would probably be way better at disc golf. I've tried the regular but, golf thing and that is just infuriating. Here, here's the, the thing that you need to know about disc golf. If you wanted to take it up, it is, it is actually pretty good exercise, especially for somebody who is used to having no exercise at all. Like me, uh, getting into it is really just the cost of a disc or a couple discs. And the vast majority of places you play are public parks, which means that you play free. There's no signing up. There's no getting a tea time. You just step onto the first pad and try not to throw discs at other people. Now, is there a, a fashion part of this? Like there is for golf. Uh, do you have to wear like plaid yellow pants and, uh, and little um, duffer caps? I, depending on the weather, I will either, if it's really warm, I'll use a sleeveless tee. If it's not really warm, I'm in an Aloha shirt. So I, if fashion is out the window. Well, with you, what fashion's always right out the window. Exactly. Now, I don't normally take the robe out there. It'd get caught up and it mess with the throw. Yeah, you'd have to. Well, you'd probably have to have a different robe. You'd have to have one just specifically. I have two Google stories and two Apple stories. Now, let's start with Google. Everybody loves Google. Everybody loves Google. Actually, what I've got is a callback. A callback to episode 143 of this show from March of 2021. Um, Back then, I brought. the idea, this thing that Google was talking about kind of doing called Federated Learning of Cohorts or Flock. You remember this? Oh, kind of. I remember the Flock. I don't remember exactly what it so was or was it something this with was or- a system. This was a system that Google was pushing was, you know, we're testing at the time. 
sold as a way to improve privacy by right. ending third-party cookies, uh, which the theory is that after this thing goes live, third-party cookies could will be turned off later, maybe, probably sometime. Um, instead, the system is that the browser uses the sites that you visit and what you click on to categorize you into demographic buckets. And I was pulling up my notes from from episode 143 and uh, one of the lines in the notes that I'm sure I said was, this is the most socialist thing I've ever seen out of a tech company. Because they're they are literally your browser is is classifying you based on heuristic and to demographic buckets, which is totally identity politics baked into the web now. Right. Well, their concept is that this is less invasive somehow. That's what they say. Then all of your URLs going to Google and them doing it on their end. It's like, well, the browser's doing it. So we don't know where you're going, but we can still sell you ads. So this is the only thing about it that is good. And that is the actual URLs that you visit are not going out in theory to all the other sites. Uh, not to Google to where, you know, not to ads. Um, but then the idea is that once the browser puts you into these buckets, the browser will make those buckets, what buckets you're in uh, available to a site. And then the sites can use this data to customize advertisements for you without having to use third party cookies um, and to fingerprint you. Although that's not Google's stated goal. It's just what it's going to get used for. Right, because uh, we know they have to somehow get targeted ads to you. It's just a question of how. Well, Google doesn't care about fingerprinting you. That, that's what every other site is going to do. Google doesn't have to because they have the browser. They already have everything. You're signed into the browser. You took your Gmail account, gave it to the browser, and every single Google page that you visit, Google already knows exactly which database record is everything they know about you. They don't need to fingerprint you. They have your ID other sites don't. So, you know, more things to fingerprint. Why not? And third party cookies absolutely can be used to pull up an ID. So arguably this is a slight improvement because now they have to use fingerprinting heuristics to try to figure out if you're the same person rather than just pulling up your Google ID like Google does. Well, the idea never died. They got lots and lots of negative feedback and acting on the feedback that everybody hated the flock feature. EFF was against it. Uh, Almost everybody in security was against it. Internet users were panning it all over the place. People saying, oh, we're going to disable it. So what did Google do in the face of all of this negative press in order to make sure that nobody had to enable Flock? Oh, I know they implemented it. Absolutely. But they renamed it first. Oh, well, that was nice of them. It is called Google Topics. (laughs) And, And how is Topics different than Flock, they may ask? I don't see it seems to have a different name. I didn't really see any other functional differences between that and flock. Oh, well, a different name. From, I mean, that's totally from the different Google then. topics site. When you visit a participating site topics picks just three topics. Actually, this might be different topics picks just three topics, one from each of the past three weeks to share with the site and its advertising partners. No word on how it picks. So as far as I can tell, it's flock, but instead of giving the site everything, they're only giving you three, but the three might be picked randomly, which means that if you hit 12 pages on the site, you might get 36 different categories, which is basically the same as giving everything. I There's a lot of shortness on how the algorithm works, but I know 
only thing I know is the algorithm baked into the browser. So you go out to any site, your bank, uh, you to uh, no agenda social, you, you go out to uh, a news site and your browser, when you're opted into this is going to tell the browser that, uh, you know, on one day you're into podcasting, travel and terraria. And the next day it'll say you're into astronomy, potatoes and sissy hentai or something like that. It, Oh, is that, is that when rare encounters on? I didn't say exactly where I got that. Uh, but I steam did tell me that somebody was playing Terraria while I was writing this up. Ah, well that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but it's called acid. Anyway, uh, the, the other quote, the current implementation of the topics API infers topics from host names only, not from any other part of a URL. However, there was a different part and some of the reporting that said they also will infer from, uh, the the sites can opt into category listing to I don't know. There's very little details about exactly how you get put into buckets. What you do know is that some Google algo, which is baked into Chrome, is dropping you into buckets. And those topics are effectively put into the header of the page and sent to every site that you visit. The site now can use a JavaScript API, which is just attached to every document object that allows the site to just run a little JavaScript and retrieve what these are. Uh, it, given that it's JavaScript, I suppose it can be implemented as a separate request. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. It just, it, it probably matters to hackers. But what sites can do is instead of using this and deciding what to advertise to you, how about they just copy and record all of it into a log because, hey, more personal data to collect. So anyway, this feature is rolling out now in Chrome. Um, you might get, if you are running Google's browser, a pop-up that is titled enhanced ad privacy in Chrome, which enhanced ad privacy is of course, some of the worst double speak I've seen in quite a while. But what this means, if you see that pop-up is you have been opted in, the feature is turned on and you are now sending your topics to every site you're visiting. Uh, the default highlighted button on this pop-up just says, got it. And there's a smaller de-emphasized uninteresting button next to it that takes you to the settings page. And if you don't want to be opted in, you have to click on the settings, go to settings and then privacy and security, and then add privacy under that. And then there's three different places on three different pages where you have to click and turn the thing off. At least according to Ars Technica, I don't run Google Chrome, so I didn't confirm this myself. And that uh, is in the browser. Now I'm assuming that browsers like Brave and others that are privacy focused that use the Chrome engine won't be adding this. I imagine even for the ones like uh, the ungoogled one that I use, I imagine what happens is that they are going to flip it to opt in and leave it off by default. So if you desperately want it, you can go into the settings and turn it on. But I don't imagine any other browser other than Google is going to turn it on by default and then pop up something that says your privacy is better because we're giving everybody all of your data. To show that, you the and I don't know if it says where they're getting this data from, but I just pulled up what are the most popular browsers now by uh, by use, of course. And Chrome has a market share of fifty two point two eight percent. That is way down from, say, three, four years ago. Well, Safari 
30%. So the Apple is definitely adding some share there. And you will be pleased to know that both Apple and Mozilla have separately come out and said they're not implementing this feature. They're not participating in these topics because privacy. Well, and as DigiGuru pointed out in the troll room, how you doing, DigiGuru? With Google running the uh, operating system on the phones for the people that aren't in the Apple ecosystem. I mean, overall, there's a few uh, besides Apple and the uh, Android. Yeah, there's a lot of data going to just two companies. Yes, yes, there is. Uh, oh, I had a note the um, the in the EU, uh, and and it's I hate saying anything nice about the government, but they have the much stricter data privacy laws. If you're in the EU, you get a slightly different pop up that says uh, because they can't legally opt people in by default. Uh, the pop-up instead has some text and stuff on it. I saw an image of it on the Ars Technic article, but says uh, basically it, it's a different pop-up that the default is you're not opted in, but they have, uh, you know, screw with button sizing and dark patterns that try to trick you into opting in and saying, yeah, cool. I want more privacy, which is not what you're getting. Um, yeah. Hey, well, the yeah. EU's laws are the reason this, thing is in place anyway that's where this was born out of i believe it's quite possible um although the i think that the original real impetus for this was google seeing the writing on the wall that third-party cookies were going to go away like the, do you remember when apple in 2019 made some huge waves by turning off all third-party cookies in safari by default yes uh and that I mean, that was pretty devastating to both Google and Facebook's ad selling machines. So, you know, go Apple for that. But um, Google immediately started working on, well, we don't need third party if we can just make the browser sell you out. The this, by the way, is part of Google's, quote, privacy sandbox initiative. Hey, everybody which, likes to play in a sandbox, right? Yeah. Um, which the entire initiative is all about coming up with new ways to allow Google and only Google to compromise your privacy, not anyone else. Right. Uh, people, Google says, well, you know, all people want is privacy. Yeah, no problem. We'll protect you from all third parties. But I, and I know I've said this before many times. Google is not in Google's threat model, but it should be. And it should be in everybody <laughs> else's. Um, the, uh, the share of edge 8.49% Firefox. 3.44%. How they have fallen. No kidding. Opera 2.98% and Samsung internet, which means there's a lot of Samsung phones out there. 1%. That, that was the browser that pops up whenever I click a link on this phone by default. Uh -huh. Let us Although show I, you what you want. Actually, that's not true. When I click a link on this phone by default, I get an error and dumped back to the homepage because I uninstalled the Samsung spy browser. But it's interesting but, that, Chrome yeah. is that many and then followed by Safari and not a lot of people using Firefox and Edge and Opera and whatever else. I mean, there's so many of those surprised. out there. Yeah. Okay. Do they have stats on how many still use Internet Explorer? No, I think that uh, that had to be killed off. Does it still work or is that like the Flash thing where if you tried to do anything with Flash, it was like, delete this, nuke it from your system now. I, I, I think Microsoft actually pushed out updates that killed Internet Explorer and said, you will be using Edge. There is no Internet Explorer. These aren't the droids you're looking for. You don't even remember it existed. That's what you want. Now, the one good thing that you know 
you know that Google wants to make sure that they are not contributing to any kind of discrimination or or uh, proto uh, uh, stereotyping. They don't want. Uh, they have decided that the topics that are available, and I could not find a list of what topics they will use anywhere, but the topics are thoughtfully curated, thoughtfully to exclude sensitive categories such as gender or race. <laughs> Wasn't everything about gender and race now? Which is hilarious because honestly, if you're looking at what categories do you want people to be in, if you are an advertiser looking to make targeted ads, it, I, race, I don't know, but probably the number one thing you want to know about somebody is gender. It's right up there. That and then age. It's up there. Interestingly um, enough here, here's another breakdown. The Chrome usage in Europe, 60%. In Asia, 72%. Like, that's a lot of Chrome users. I'm not that surprised. There are a lot of alternative browsers out there, but... A lot of the alternative browsers will only put things out in English, which definitely, you know, for the majority of the world that doesn't speak English would probably affect whether or not they can use it. And yes, Baron Spud, the mighty Vivaldi didn't make the list. Pale Moon didn't make the list. There's a lot of. Uh, I might be the only person still using Pale Moon. Hey, I've got it. I've got it installed here. I don't pull it up much, but I've got it. It's still my primary browser because I completely lobotomized the JavaScript engine in it. It is the browser I use to click random links to find out if the page is worth going to, because if it displays and uses HTML and CSS rather than some awful JavaScript library, then I can see it. And I know that I'm safe from 95% of the various attacks on the web because they're all JavaScript. Yeah. And the Apple that the interesting thing with that is the amount of, Apple zero day exploits this year already. I think they're up to 13. I know. I remember the good old days. You know, the good old days when it was, hey, come to Apple. We have no problem with viruses. Apple doesn't get viruses, which Uh wasn't even true back in the day. But back in the day when Apple had 3% market share, there weren't a lot of people writing viruses for Apple. But the idea that Apple is more secure has always been false. Yes. It was just nobody cared because the, like you said, it was a much smaller amount of people using it. Once they became uh, an industry leader, then that's when people start looking. I mean, we can release the uh, Bemrose OS. Have you ever switched over to Linux yet? I have, but I have not gone. I've I've gone in and I've configured it a couple times, but what I have not done is made the leap. I need to make the leap so that my, primary daily driving is still on Linux. And there's a few things I have to move over. You know, obviously uh, most of my writing is in notepad, so that's easy to move. Um, Hex chat is available for Linux. So IRC is easy to move. Um, The vast majority of other things is brought. Honestly, the things that I need to do to convert over is I got to move my podcasting over. And if I do that, then I will, be spending more of my time in Linux than windows. Now we could release the Bemrose OS. And as long as we're the only two people using it, I mean, uh, they may go after parts that you use in the OS that are universal, but any custom code would be perfectly secure anyway. Right. See, so this would all be perfectly secure code because it's like, mm, nobody really wants to hack those two guys or do they, they might, they might want to, but if so, it'd be because of what we say. And True. that, by the way, uh, the 
when they thoughtfully excluded certain categories such as gender or race, the one, the note that I have in there is I bet there's a category that Google will not exclude, which is if you visit Breitbart.com, it's going to, you're going to get a topic, which is you're a right-wing extremist and they'll use that for ads or, you know, to, if, if I were being a little bit more skeptical, um, this thing might produce a topic that says you visited, uh, you know, zero hedge and therefore a site can use that topic to say, oh, we're not going to serve you. We're just going to reject you. It is possible to do because these topics now are giving sites a way to classify you based on a bunch of demographic and, uh, you know, interests, whatever. If, if they are, they are effectively taking what you visited on other sites and telling the, uh, every site on the internet about it. I absolutely can see this being used to start uh, excluding. Like if you go to the wrong news site, if you go to, to um, RT instead of NPR, I can see a social media site going, well, we don't want you. Oh yeah. It, it is. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen immediately, but this makes it technically possible. And that is probably the thing that bugs me the most about it. Well, this is why I will even cycle through VPNs. You always have to run a VPN to keep that out of the, uh, to connect. VPN doesn't protect against this at all. No, it's baked into your browser, not, not your IP. But if you are doing any kind of research on something that you really don't want, you get into a new browser, not one you normally use. Because you don't, right. That's the one thing I don't think people understand with the fingerprinting is that the history for the browser that you're on and then trying to make the connections. What was the name of that, uh, the test that will go, oh, well, I can tell you that these fonts match and this matches and this matches. So you're probably this person, even though you're trying to obfuscate your, uh, what you're doing in your browser. It is crazy the way they are connecting the dots where it used to seem like it was absolutely insane like you know what i need a whole separate laptop just to do research because i i need to just like wipe it every three days to make sure nothing connects uh but what the panot was a panopticon something like that yeah pa- panoptic click uh, yeah. oh it's now redirecting me to coveryourtracks.eff.org. It used to be called Panopticlick, which I thought was an awesome name. Which nobody could remember. I mean, I remembered it, but close, kind of. But they're like, how do you spell that? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I, I dropped the link into the troll room, Panopticlick. Uh, but coveryourtracks.eff.org goes there now. And uh, I opened it up and I clicked the test your browser and it never finished testing. Because it's like, wait, I, I'm not. I'm not able yeah, to because it uses JavaScript. So uh, apparently my browser is still pretty good. It's my pale moon. Anyway, it's currently testing my browser. I wonder <laughs> oh, what great. it's going to So if find. you get disconnected. Yeah. Click. There we go. Or, or Google's now going to be, Oh, topics. This person is a, a conspiracy theorist because yes. he goes to EFF. It says our tests indicate that you have strong protection against web tracking. Nice. Is your bra in your browser blocking tracking ads? Yes. Is it blocking invisible trackers? Yes. Protecting you from fingerprinting? Your browser has a randomized fingerprint. I guess that's good. I guess. Does the browser, I mean, maybe, I don't know, does, uh, is that one of the thing Brave, things Brave does is send out the uh, 
fake information so it can't be fingerprinted, which would be great. Just keep giving them fake information. That's what you need to do. So is my browser, let's see. I, I just pulled it up in uh, in uh, Chromium, my ungoogled. Am I blocking trafficking ads? Yes. Blocking invisible trackers? Yes. Is it protecting me from fingerprinting? My browser has a unique fingerprint. Oh, you're, you're pwned now, baby. I, I mean, I think it does right up because I've, I've got that set so that I can log into sites because it dumps all my cookies and everything every time that I shut down the browser. I don't know if that matters. It's, it's one of six browsers on the system. Well, but that yeah, is your, the- your advice is absolutely right. Whenever you do something like a new task, you should pretty much go to a new browser. It's the system fonts, which is a very strange thing. Yeah. For me, especially you know, somebody the system fonts actually might be screwing me on this one because uh, the system fonts exploits didn't come in until after 8.1 was out. And there's no protection in Windows 8.1 for that. And I don't know if the browser can access it because I see just like the main fonts listed in their list where I have installed a bunch of really weird fonts from dafont.com, which if that's all accessible, then it becomes, hey, only 20 people ever downloaded this font. So, of course, it's going to be easy to kind of pinpoint one to the other, but people don't think of those kind of things like, wow, a font on my system can give me away. Well, what this means really is that they're all about tracking graphical artists. Pretty much. Because they're the only ones. If you're just a programmer and you have no artistic skills whatsoever, you're not going to install extra fonts. Right. That's it. And you're you're using using the system default. uh Uh-huh. Got to use that. Or what you do is you use the font that immediately delete it. Maybe. Or yeah, every time you want to use the font, you install it Use yes. it and then you rasterize it and then to uninstall it. Uh-huh. Delete it when you're not <laughs> using it, baby. You just have a zip file with your fonts that you can pull. For, and, uh, you know, of course, That's there's not probably a bad idea. A, probably a Python script that'll do that automatically. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good Python scripts, baby. <laughs> I've been playing around with the face swapping things, and it's just like the technology is getting so much better. As I've been saying for a long time, never believe anything you see on the internet. It's getting sad. I, I don't even believe things I hear on the internet, not even in this clean feed app that oh, seems yeah. to be. And yeah. Never believe what you hear right here on Grumpy Old Ben's. But that we is. We tell you only the truth, and most people can't handle that. You can't handle the truth. Exactly. Now, I thought this was an interesting uh, thing. The Biden administration, we may have covered this at one point, had allocated $42.5 billion for the uh, Ukraine. No, well, no, that would that was nothing for Ukraine. That that was just this week. But for the you know broadband, we've talked about broadband oh, in yeah. the United States. Broadband for all—it's a human right. Everybody has to have it. Absolutely. And because all human rights are, we have you have to force somebody else to give you the right, which is by the way a form of slavery. But whatever. Right, because well, if you can't afford the internet, somebody will give it to you for free because. Without the internet, you just can't rive and survive. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. But the cost on this now is exactly if we, I believe we discussed this. And the cost, at least I've known this for a long time, this is the issue when it comes to locations out in the middle of nowhere that are currently are not served. We all understand that to run a cable 
across a long distance is going to take money. Right. But I don't know if the Biden administration understands that the uh, average cost for, let's see here, uh, in some rural communities, this from the Wall Street Journal, including Nebraska's Winnebago tribe, the average cost of installing the fiber optic cables that deliver the high-speed internet is higher than the value of some of the homes in the area. At an average cost of $53,000 per household and workplace connected, fears about the final cost of the program are mounting. Really? It's going to cost $53,000 per house. That sounds like union wages. Of course. I... But it's like I mean, when you Sorry, start I, insert the rant. I know I've made the rant before about the, the Davis Bacon Act of, of like, I don't remember what year it is, but it's an act that basically says uh, any time that the government contracts for a job, any government job, you have to pay, quote, prevailing wages for every position in there, which means effectively that. Government contracts are guaranteed to have to pay wages that are average or above. And if you know how averages work, what that means is that as more and more things like in certain industries, every contract is a government contract. And that means that every single job has to be at a minimum, the average of all of them before. That means that as jobs go forward, costs go up, costs go up, costs go up. Combine that with uh, the way that unions do their negotiation. And what you end up having is uh, it's going to take, you know, $53,000 is $3,000 in materials, the cost of the wires, the posts, the switches, everything. And $50,000 is how much you pay the team of 12 people, one to lay the wire and 11 people to stand around watching them. Supervised. Supervising. Yes. Says. In some parts of remote Montana, laying the fiber optic cable could have a price tag of more than $300,000 per connection. You know, on the plus side, we're moving into a socialist utopia where the commons, everybody pays for that and therefore it's free. I love this quote. It's from Blair Levin, an equity research analyst who served as a communications policy official in both the Clinton and Obama administrations said, the problem is money is not infinite. I thought that was great. Okay. That flies in the face of modern monetary theory, right? It's like, yes, you're wrong. We can keep printing it. If we just keep printing it, then what? Somebody tell the Democrats. Yeah. You can just keep printing money. It is infinite, but here, here's what I don't understand. Why do we have to connect them? With fiber optic cable, we are seeing the utopia because broadband is a human right. What about the satellites, though? What about Elon's system? Can't uh, you get broadband with the satellite, and that way you don't in have theory, to? Uh huh. I have plenty of reservations about that, but in theory, yes, it'll work. I mean, I would have reservations as I mean, well, but when you're this, talking this about story, for example, that Elon decided to turn them off, well, I don't remember right. exact all the details. Well, but, yeah, because they were somebody was using the Starlink to guide drones that were filled with explosives or allegedly. Yeah. And Elon decided, well, I don't want to be a part of this. So he flipped the switch or something like that. I, I'm just saying if somebody decided to do that over say Chicago, 
and the drone didn't get shot down by random gun, the random right, right. Aura you, of gunfire. You do not want to fly but, your drone over Chicago. <laughs> but if if you, you you don't need satellites for that, you just you know if I'm just thinking if this was in the U.S., all you need is a an Xfinity Wi-Fi password and your drone can activate anywhere in the city. Yeah, you can just fly around, do whatever you want already. But that's why I don't understand in these rural areas why satellite wouldn't be the answer because that would be much less of a cost, even if you have to hook them up with a dish like the olden days with direct TV or whatever you were using. Way less than $53,000 to $300,000 per location. See, the way that you're thinking is is economic. You're You're thinking supply and demand. You're going, well... These people want to live way out in the sticks. And right. I, you know, I, I respect that. And in fact, I envy them for a lot of things. Living here in the city really bugs the hell out of me in some cases. But here in the city, I have really fast broadband because it's about 12 feet out to the pole that already has the cable on it. Well, and you're the rarity that actually has two high speed Internet providers that service your home. Yeah, well, one of them only does so reluctantly. And if I ever dropped that service, they'd never connect me again. But they'd yes. be like, no more, no more. Yeah. Uh, That's they, hard to do now. Yeah. They're, they're not, they, they haven't signed up anybody new in 10 years. Really? <laughs> Are they asking you to leave? Is that the, uh, no, no, actually, they're not, they're not really communicating with me at all. They're taking my $45 a month for a 30 megabit fiber. And as long as the money keeps coming in and there's yeah. no, a service like, call as long that, as my bill is current they they are no communication whatsoever they don't care they're not a fiber company in fact that business has been bought and sold twice since i signed up with them it started out as a at&t broadband and at&t was was putting out all and then it i think it was sold to verizon for a while and then it became part of uh, frontier and now uh it's something called ziply and none of them give a crap about the fiber service other than they have government contracts that require that they provide a certain level of service and this qualifies it. So as long as they have oh. that, they they can keep raking in whatever subsidy they you know, they've got weird financial things where the government says, as long as you provide such and such service, well, they're right. doing that. Yeah, and, what are, and so I'm it's the like benefit an, of, an Eastern Airlines thing, right? So I guy do a video the other day. That Eastern Airlines, which was around when we were growing up, it is still in existence. I think it was Eastern that they do one flight a month from Miami to somewhere in South America, and that's it. But they have to do it to keep the government contract because otherwise they can't say they are a currently otherwise uh, airline that is doing business as usual for the public. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. One flight. <laughs> Every month. That's a great concept right there. And they don't even have to put anybody on the plane. No, that's the guy flew it. And he's like, there's like 12 people on the plane. Yeah. They don't really care. They just have to have the flight. That's my broadband. My, my fiber is, is there's some, I don't even know the details. There's some government regulation or something that says you have to provide such and such service. And though, so they're providing this service. In fact, uh, Ziply, whatever their main goal is uh their their side business is we bought this fiber service covering a small part of Everett Washington and we have you know 5000 subscribers across the whole county 
and they're never going to sign up anymore. They don't have to. And they're never, it, they're never going to do anything. Like they'll do the basic maintenance as required. But if, uh, like I said, if I ever stop, they're going to send a truck out to cut the fiber and remove it from the pole entirely. And then run, never come back. Yeah. Well, I was kind of thinking that that was why our um, modem started dropping. It was right about the same time I saw an ad for the new thing from Xfinity, which is like, well, hey, add this to your system. And it's a battery backup and a uh, whichever. I don't remember if it was just LTE, but it was connecting to the cell service if your service went down. So if you're. If everything went down, you would still have service. And I'm like, well, this would be a reason to have people's gateways randomly shutting off every now and then to get them annoyed (laughs) where they're like, oh, I need a backup system. Yeah, no, I want to have the, I want to be able to go right over to the cell network. If, if my system goes down, I know I'm seriously old school, but if my power goes out, then I probably don't need desperately to watch YouTube videos during that time. Yeah, not if the power go. I mean, really, that's like, where am I going to watch them? Well, I mean, I guess most people don't watch on television. Most people do it on their phone anyway. Uh huh. So I guess the phones would keep working. So as long as you have internet, I guess I can see that would be why. Now, if you had no power, but you had internet, well, you could still sit there on your tablet or phone and then just stream all those bits right over the cell network. I mean, that's probably going to cost you a little more. You're going to hit your barrier a lot quicker if you even if you have the unlimited because unlimited as far as I know, cellular still is not really unlimited. It's well, you get to use this much and then slow way down. You know, we're already anachronistic. We're, we're in that weird boomer demographic that still has broadband internet to the home. Hell, I I still have a a landline. Yeah. And landlines went away a long time ago. Very few people have them only only really old people who never moved forward with the time. Uh-oh. Right. And they're coming back. It said, I read it was on the Atlantic. There was an article, which I don't believe anything in the Atlantic, but there was a thing like that. Landlines are becoming a thing again because people like the, you know, and it is, it's just a retro thing. I, because I've you been in this house almost 20 years ago or now. And 20 years ago when we moved in, I didn't get a landline, never needed it. And nowadays I look at it and I'm like, well, I still don't like my phone, but I also don't like getting phone calls from people. So. Right, right. I was going to say, besides me, how many people do you talk to out of your home every week? I try not to. See, so there you go. It, it, that Not having the phone helps with that. Yeah. People are like, how you do know, I, I, how do I get a hold I, of Bemrose? It's like, mm, you I walk get up phone calls dork. all the time, but most of them are spam. So why would I even want a landline where I don't even know who's calling where you get more spam? I do like now that almost every phone call that comes in on the cell phone has the little thing that pops up potential spam. I think well, almost everything technically is potentially spam. Even, yeah. if, it's, even if it's from somebody, yeah. you know, my brother calls me. I'm like, this is potentially spam. Uh huh. He's going to try to get you to go out disc golfing. Do a shot on every hole, see how many you can do. I've definitely had that call where I'm like heads down in a coding project or something and really concentrating. And my phone rings, which always completely shatters my entire process. And then I look over at it and it's my brother who's like, hey, so I'll be at your house in 20 minutes. Want to go disc golfing? You're like, like, well, now I do. If you're on your way, can you pick (laughs) up a pizza and some beer? Yeah. And then it's a yes. Well, there's no pickup. He almost always has the beer in already, but 
Well, he's always drinking and driving. It's it's more efficient that way. No, yeah, but no, actually, I don't believe he does that. Now, my dad, my dad was by far the best drunk driver I've ever encountered in my life. I don't. The one time that I remember him ever drinking sober, he flipped his truck. <laughs> well, that is a, a, I mean, that is a, a sure sign that maybe you have a problem. Well, there was also other things at play. For example, the black ice. It was on the, the Coca-Cola uh, pass in British Columbia, which if you've ever seen the, there's a TV show highway through hell, which is all about big wreckers going and pulling out really mangled trucks out of snowbanks. Uh, the the main setting for that show was the Coca-Cola Pass in British Columbia. This place is is every bit as bad as the show lets it, or makes you see it. I've never heard of it. But it sounds like something that would be uh, some uh, accident porn. I guess you'd call it. Yeah, that's that is what it is. And the the show is it's reality TV where a camera crew follows around the drivers in this big wrecking company in British Columbia. There's, there's another companion show kind of like it. Uh, 401 heavy rescue, which is in the Toronto area. But I always thought that was less interesting because although the 401 has the unique characteristic that there's about a billion cars on it at any given moment of the day. And that definitely complicates things. Um, I always liked highway through hell better because they, they deal with geography. There will be times when there's like, an 800 foot deep ravine that they are trying to pull a heavy rig out of and get its load intact because the customer said, Hey, this load is important and needs to be delivered on time. So can you pull the trailer up out of the ravine and we'll just send another truck to carry it. And they, they'll, they'll do that. And I mean, this is amazing television. They are problem solvers is what they are. Yes, they are. And I, I, being somebody who does, kind of the same thing, but from the comfort of a keyboard and desk and air conditioned room, seeing these people do it in heavy coats in blizzard conditions is like, okay, these people have bigger testicles than I ever will, but they are solving the same kind of problems. They're like, Oh, look, this truck is upside down and the rear axle is through the front window. How are we going to recover it and get it off of the road and back to the yard where they, where we can charge our customer for it? Yes. And I bet you they make a decent amount of money. I'm sure they do. Those big trucking companies pay a crap ton in insurance because, I mean, they obviously don't say on the show how much they're charging, but you know, it's thousands and thousands of dollars for a rescue because yes, the equipment they got out there. I mean, what, what kind of truck does it take to tow a big rig, right? A big one in the first place. And then when you have to flip them over and uh, because you have to have something bigger than what you're pulling. so. There's always got to be a bigger rig. And the, remember the bigger rig, they like, they go through uh, about uh, three pairs of chains a week because they have to operate in the winter in blizzard conditions and nothing, you know, when a big storm comes through and this hill is a 30 degree slope for 10 miles, nothing has traction. Everything is sliding and the tow truck has got to be able to get through. Yeah. If you've never driven in a snowstorm, you have not had your share of fun. Yeah. Well, around here, snowstorms happen. And sometimes you just got to drive straight up a mountain. Although my, my advice for the best way to drive in snow and ice, especially in a place that has geography, not like the Midwest where everything's flat, but is don't No, yeah. avoid it. Just don't. It's bad enough when it's flat and it's ice. When, like you said, if you're at a 30 degree angle, 
you're going. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going whatever direction the road goes. And if that's not the direction you wanted to go into. And NetNed says AI will fix it. I totally believe that. I want to see an AI pull a big rig out of a ravine. Yes. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait and see that one. I did see the, when, uh, when a load of lumber falls over and covers the entire freeway and the state patrol is bitching at the tow truck operator saying, we got to get this thing covered in two hours. It's like, it's going to be an extra foot of snow in two hours. We'll call the AI. Yeah. Let's see an AI do it. How's the AI going to get here? I don't know. Let's just say there are some jobs that AI is not going to replace anytime soon. That is true. And one of them is a truck driver in California, because unlike the moron governor, the state assembly or whatever voted against the auto driving trucks, pissing off good old captain hair gel. Yeah. We had a, I don't remember if it was this show or ATN, they all blur together, but I, I remember having a story about a month ago, but Waymo had abandoned their self-driving trucks completely. And we're like, we're going to focus on cars only. Why? Because trucks are a lot more complicated and tough. And more importantly, they have higher safety standards. Yes, because trucks can kill way more people than a car. You know, I, I'm kind I'm way less concerned about a, well, I was going to say Yugo, but I doubt Yugos exist and that's a boomer thing. What's like the new little shit box car that you could almost pick up and throw if you had to? I don't know. In my day, it was a Geo Metro. Oh, yeah. Those were good, too. Or the but, uh, but something like a Kia might work. Or Yeah. Well, just imagine whatever smallest car you can come up with. Yeah. Those, not Probably really out that, of Europe. Not right. Not really that concerning to have one of those that's self-driving. Because even if it hits you, you're yeah. like, eh, I'll just yeah, get like up. Somebody plows into you at 30 miles an hour for a smart car. You're like, you stand back up, brush your jeans off and go, well, I hope you've got insurance for that dented fender. Right. Now, a semi, that's a different story. Yeah. That is a much different story. It looks like we have some boost coming in. I mean, we can do our oh, donation segment. We could. Just to, uh, I could do my other Google story. It's quick. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, the U.S. Justice Department has officially gone to trial in the Google antitrust. Um, the trial is U.S. et al. versus Google. It is scheduled for 10 weeks. There was an entire long New York Times article about this. That's where I got the information. And uh, what I just told you is basically all of the useful information the New York Times felt necessary to impart. Don't you everything love that else part was, of journalism now? Everything else was the historical precedent about how this is its landmark and it's the first time in the common era that an antitrust has gone against a Silicon Valley. And, and we haven't seen anything like this since the trial of Microsoft in 1998. And eh, okay. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. 25 years since the last time that the justice department grew a pair when it came to Silicon Valley, I guess that's momentous, but there's really no information. It's a uh, U.S. department of justice is suing Google saying that they illegally use their monopoly powers to crush their competition and bolster their own vertical services. Is that we a surprise this. to anyone? Yeah. I mean, come on. We all know that's exactly I, what's going on. Uh, the main reason that I bring it up at all is that over the course of the next 10 weeks, there is going to be some interesting information presented by the lawyers on both sides. Uh, the Google lawyers are probably in pure panic mode and trying to downplay all of the evidence. I don't know if the U.S. Justice Department has anything that's really a smoking gun or if it's stuff we all knew. 
Um, but at the end of 10 weeks, a jury, which by the way, God, I'd not want to be on a jury that's out for 10 week trial, but uh, at the end of 10 weeks, a jury is going to decide whether or not Google ought to be bit slapped for basically being douches to everybody in the entire tech industry. Which I mean, if you're going to bit slap them for that, <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, the, the main reason why I'm not sure we're going to get a lot of bombshells is that this investigation has been going on for three years. I suspect that the limit of the really awful things that Google is being accused of will be up till about 2020. Yeah, I like there was an article on Ars Technica, which pointed out that the judge in the U.S. versus Google trial didn't know if Firefox was a web browser or search engine. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, fortunately, they're going to have to rely on whatever experts the lawyers bring. And the U.S. Department of Justice doesn't know anything. And Google can manufacture experts left and right. So this will be exciting. Yes. And it's interesting because this is not a jury trial. So oh, it's it is, not. I don't believe so. It says uh, U.S. District Judge See, Emmett Meta, M-E-H-T-A, heard opening statements. I believe when I read this earlier that this was a judge. A judge was going to be the one deciding this wasn't a jury trial, which okay. was why it's even more concerning if they don't understand wow. the basic wow. technology. I, this is the kind of thing I'd rather have go to a jury. You would think. See, the funny thing is, I read the whole New York Times article twice, and I did not get that. <laughs> which was probably, they're like, well, that's not important. No. Uh, oh, oh, do you near the bottom of the article? Judge Emmett P. Meta, who was appointed by President Barack Obama in 2014, because that's the most important thing about right. a judge. By well, the way, do we know if, uh, what his uh, gender or yeah, skin what, color? What, how does he identify? Yes. Uh, is presiding, which will not have a jury. Okay. Well, New York Times did, in fact, say it. They buried it in paragraph 16. Yeah, which is like, you know, the way people consume their news now, you know, most people are not getting to the end. No, I, I, I have a lot of trouble getting past the first paragraph of a New York Times article, to be honest. Which is one of the problems with uh, journalism today. Um, this particular article, it looks like they go four full paragraphs before taking a swipe at Trump, though. The, uh, the judge was born in India. He okay. received a BA in political science and economics from Georgetown. Couldn't we find somebody that had a computer degree? Maybe to uh, yeah, no, maybe look at this particular uh, trial. You know, but the one the one prediction about jobs that AI actually is going to take over and destroy. And I cannot wait for this is lawyers. Well, because it's perfect for that. This is that, one that thing is, that AI yeah. can do fairly well especially as they are ramping at, up at least as well as people can well you know better better because they're able to process x amount of text and that's always been one of the biggest downfalls was that it can only keep so much in its memory overall for it to analyze at any given time and that used to be you know well, maybe and, a but few an pages. LLM an LLM that, you know, there, there is no human being on the planet who can, the, the reason lawyers have to specialize, there is no human being on the planet who can even have read and understood every law. Right. 
It's not possible. There's too many. It's too much. A human cannot do it. It's why lawyers are so important because they have an entire legal team and they split up and they specialize. And uh, okay. I, I think that personally, the, this is a fault of there's too goddamn many laws and oh, yeah. the laws need to be simplified. Like how amazing would it be if there were few enough laws that the average layperson could actually know which ones they're violating on a day in day out basis. Oh yeah. Most people that but break the law don't know they're breaking it. I, most people that aren't paying their taxes correctly have no idea. They're not because the let the, uh, the legalese is just overwhelming. I've made the argument that all laws should have a sunset clause, whether it be, you know, 10 or 20 years, fine. And a law that is older than that and not renewed just goes away. And yeah, okay, you'd have to rubber stamp like the uh, the National Defense Authorization Act has to be rubber stamped every session. Uh, fine. But what that means is that all of the laws that are not important enough to vote on just go away. And the ones that are important enough to vote on, you keep you'll them. vote on them. Yeah. And when you have I the AI that can keep the whole legalese, all the wording yeah. in memory, and you can ask it a simple That's question. I mean, that, that's what an LLM is. A large yes. language model is let's go ahead and take all the text, and bring it in and let's put it in here. And that way you can be like, uh, was this against the law? And it will tell you yes or no. According to the law was doing this against the law. Well, there's no specific uh, mention of fucking pigs. So obviously, no, you're fine. Also, I, I cannot imagine that ChatGPT's hallucinations in places where it completely screws up or makes things up. I can't imagine that would be any worse than than activist judges, corrupt cops. Right. Well, and, and the beauty here is you can actually have the large language model spit out the portion of the law that and pertains. That's the trick. Yes, this this is one of the things that has bothered me greatly about trying to get any information from ChatGPT or the other LLM AIs is show your work. If if you show your work, then I can verify whether the answer is correct and then I can build confidence in it. But most of these have some kind of proprietary algo where they don't want to show their work because the competitive advantage, trade secrets, et cetera. Oh no. Somebody's actually calling you. Potential spam is calling me. <laughs> hey, Ben, what's up? <laughs> no, I didn't say Tony. It said potential spam. See, that is, which is, which is not actually his name. No, but you could change that in your uh, contacts list. I <laughs> could. That would be perfect. No, no. That's the name I gave my mom. Oh, Oh, I'm oh, gl I'm glad she doesn't listen to the show or she, she no. doesn't anymore. If she did, <laughs> no, she, she doesn't. She no. has better things to do with her time in Hawaii. Yeah. The part that hasn't burned down. Yeah, there's almost anything is a better use of your time than listening to this show. In fact, uh, donating to this show is probably a much better use of your time than listening. It is. And we prefer it actually, but we have to, a uh, few people to thank for today's show. It is a value for value proposition, which means it's not behind a paywall. Maybe it should be thinking about that right now. And you just get to decide how much value you've gotten out of the show. And then you get that back to us in a variety of different fun ways, including streaming Satoshi's getting into the web 2.0 thing. Go to web. Um, I was, I keep wanting to say new podcast apps.com, but you could just go to podcast apps.com now. Or nudepodcastapps.com. That was always my favorite. That works as well. 
And normally we go down the people that had donated through PayPal first, because those are usually the highest. But today I saw at the beginning of the show, our buddy, the clip custodian came in with a hundred thousand sats, which is like 20, what's a hundred thousand trying to do the math in my head. That's not happening. 26 bucks right now. Well, a hundred thousand sats would be uh, what, what's Bitcoin? 26 K. I guess that would make so sense. Yeah. So, it's one thousandth of a Bitcoin. <laughs> so $26. That's number one. The clip custodian coming in number one with a streaming Satoshi boost. Bala. You got to get those 20 inch. Bl- yeah. I loved everybody that nope. wanted to show you the 20 inch. Blades. I loved the, yeah. We had the conversation like, what the hell is a blade? And somebody shows me a car that it, like, it, I, I don't know what they were like. These are blades. I'm like, no, that's a fucking clown car. <laughs> it's got, well, if you want to uh, make a margarita, if you drive really fast, they spin. <laughs> that's what they look like on the side. And uh, I mean, I can see that is the blades. I just always, I want the blades to be extending from the wheel like they do on the front of semis that's what got my uh, camaro back in the day coming out of oh no yeah coming out of the uh, toll booth into you know when you get like 20 lanes going into three or four and everybody's trying to merge at like a half a mile an hour yeah had a semi right up along and went and then there was a nice big gouge on the side of the car oh yeah those the that'll mess up a car yes it will they do Which not. is kind of the point, you yes. know, the, the truck drivers will put that on there for the explicit purpose of saying, stop crowding me. Yeah. Do not get, but it's like, Hey, I, I'm just sitting here, man. And then when they merge into you, you're like, Hey, thanks for the fat check from your insurance. Uh-huh. And that was exactly what happened. <laughs> it's a whole different value for value right there. Yeah. Yeah. But value then, for damage. Yes. But then coming in at $10 and one cent, Srini, Srinivas Murti. That's a monthly from PayPal. We appreciate that. Steve Edwards, $10, and that came in as a paper check, which is always appreciated. That's the old-fashioned way to do things. Yeah. And then our buddy Sir Fudge Fountain, otherwise known as Brian Hall, who outed himself after we asked on the last, because we're like, wow, this dude's been the 293, the most consistent monthly donor we've had the whole run of the show and i went back and looked it'll be three years next month that'll be his 36th donation for uh 293 wow which you know people are like oh what's 293 well if you do it every month it adds up and we haven't even i was trying to do the math in my head i'm not going to it's just simple math. It's over a hundred dollars though. Yeah. It's a, it's an amount. It uh, is. It is an amount. Uh, but then we can go back to the boostograms here. Our buddy CSB with his 8,015 Satoshis with his uh, ad copy. Please visit my cartoons at www.csb.lol. Then he repeats so it. Yep. I have, what am I looking at? Well, then we had 18. Billy Bones with two, three, 18 four boosts came in since the last show. Yeah, they're coming in. Billy Bones had two, three, four, and he says show number donation. I'm like, Billy, the two thirty three sats. No, we, we can only do the show number donation in American dollars. <laughs> you know, it's it's it doesn't quite hold the oomph when it's Satoshi's is what is two hundred and thirty three Satoshi's is a whopping six cents. 
So by the time I get my three cents and we don't even get the full three cents because a percent goes somewhere else. It's literally thrown in your two cents. So starting, uh, you might not have these listed on yours. Starting right after the show last week, um, we actually got four boosts in a row from Joel W. For 1111, 333, 333, and 111. So I think it was just kind of ramping down. Not, But a lot of messages. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking this was live responding as he was listening, which is, by the way, an amazing way to interact with a podcast. Uh, one of my cats brought home a flying squirrel last summer. Getting it back outside was a delight in response to our squirrel talk from last week. Uh, blades are a brand of wheels, 20 inch being the size and a link to uh, a company that I guess is purporting to ruin your car for you. Uh, as they would like Van to. Halen without Roth is just another rock band. And uh Jitsi Diva lame excuse earlier this year, we saw an increase in the number of reports we received about some people using our services and ways we cannot tolerate. Oh, oh, right. Oh, it's the Jitsi. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the fact that you now have to law, if you want to open up a room on the Jitsi server, you have to have a Google account or a oh, GitHub yeah. account or a Facebook, whatever they use. And I was saying that we need a no agenda Jitsi server anyway. Yeah. You don't want to be on anywhere. Somebody else has that control over you. I'm basically getting in with the rise of cancel culture. I'm giving up on all centralized services. Yeah. Because you can and will be canceled. The ones that that I control, which is why the no agenda stream is the only one. Exactly. That's where you want to be. Um, And also shortly after the show, well, a few hours after the show memes, 1337 came in. With uh, the 2702, so 1337 each, uh, leap boosting the split. Keep yelling at clouds, please. I need it. We are glad to. Uh, after that, absolutely nothing until this morning with the comic strip blogger. Uh, and then actually quite a few during the show. Well, with messages right after that. With one, messages. I, I went back that far and there's no message, but Sir Sean came in with 6904. And then just started boosting 52 sats per minute. So, I mean, that dude is a baller in his own right. I, oh, I only pulled up boosts. I probably could. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then there were a bunch from Harry Pilgrim and there was a bunch in here. I think Dale jr. Was in there. And then it was the comic strip blogger telling us go to www.csblol yep. Billy bones and show then, number. During, yeah, during this show, Billy Bones went all epileptic on the send boost button. Yes, and then again, a show number donation, 234. So instead of the 233, it was a 234 show number I, donation. And then a 234 that just says Legos. <laughs> I count nine 234 donations from Billy Bones, actually. Demographic this bucket, he says, with another 234. Uh, grumpy old privacy settings. <laughs> Where's my grumpy old web browser? That's a good idea. Uh, can we you stream sats without the internet? Oh. That would Why are you reading these? <laughs> <laughs> that is the more valid question out of all that. That is a Billy great Bones. question. Google this. We could be listening to a walk through I think the he's mind. Making show title suggestions. Oh, that could be as well. I mean, do we give uh, away a 33, prize? 33 from Oystein Berge. Ah, yes. Which I may have just screwed up that name. I, no, that sounds I'm, very much like Adam says it. I believe so. You, you're probably. I, I'm only going by what Adam says. That's where we uh, learn. If anything that sounds even somewhat Dutch, it's like whatever Adam said. Pfeiffer with a grumpy old boost. Uh, I'm sorry, a grumpy old boost. 
Oh, I like Billy Bones. This show is disaster porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Billy Bones. That's appreciated. Uh, the Reverend Dr. Pfeiffer with 6666 saying grumpy old boost, not a pity boost. Well, how yes. do we know the difference? Literally just read that. I think not to be a pity boost, it has to be at least uh, 35,000 sats. I think there's a limit on I, I think the 234 sets, those are pity boosts. Yeah, that most likely. But they add up as well. We just need, we, like Billy Bones is doing, you need like a thousand of them. We are, uh, oh, Billy Bones, I just refreshed and Billy Bones is still at it. Uh, he, oh, there's a nice Billy help. Bones, you should do a podcast. You write a lot. A walk uh, through the says, mind. AI won't be able to replace the backroom handshake deals that lawyers and judges have to get crooks and innocents off the hook or get tossed in the reinforced slammer. Net net sent in 15,000. Have you tried to AI it new support center scripted line? I don't think that's quite there yet. Well, here's the thing. Most likely the support that you're speaking to is AI. So you have, I guess, tried to AI it. Because most of the frontline uh, support yeah. will now be AI, whether you know it or not. And, uh, honestly, the, the AI is already ready to replace frontline support. The only thing that they're waiting on is getting its authentic Indian accent. No, that was the one thing they want to get rid of, isn't it? <laughs> they, they need to make sure that the accent of the AI is just thick enough that you can't quite make out what they're saying. So you asked to be sent to somebody. I, who yeah. was that? Was it was either must have been FedEx. Can when you I had find the, me someone with cargo pants and a penguin poster on the wall. Uh-huh. That's who you want. The last time I had that issue with FedEx, I couldn't understand the people. And it's just like, can you transfer me? I mean, I'm not trying to be rude. I just have no and it's it's bad when you have to struggle to understand what somebody's saying. It's a whole See, different thing rude. when you can't understand anything they're saying. Because it's like, we can't get anywhere because I don't know if you just said hello or go fuck yourself. So uh, we're we're at a point. I, I mean, it's only fair because when I talk to frontline tech support, the kind of people who only think that turning it off and back on again is something that I would never have tried. Right. They can't understand anything I'm saying either. True. Billy Bones, just another two, three, four says podcast rich, fiat poor. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know the feeling. It. Yeah, welcome I, I to have the far more podcasts than dollars these days. Welcome to the show, Billy Bones. People should listen to a walk through the mind. Billy Bones is a millennial that actually has some good ideas. Yeah, he's one of those rare thinking millennials. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of them that aren't. There's a lot of them that have no idea the world they live in. But we hope you like what you're hearing here on the Grumpy Old Benz podcast. If you do, show us some support. Go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. Or like Billy Bones, just keep on boosting. Either boost one of those all work. the time. Yeah, boost. Boost every boost day. Boost every day. Boost, boost every, every hour. night. Yeah. Boost boost while boost you're hourly. on the disc golf course. Go out there and boost. Oh, I'll be boosting those discs. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, we need video or uh, it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So China has banned all of its government officials from using iPhones now. Well, that's good because we know that the Apple folk cannot be trusted. I mean, there were 13 zero day exploits. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. Uh-huh. I think this is more that they don't trust uh, Apple's intentions as much as they don't trust their engineering. But true. And it was the probably, way I see it. To be fair, it was probably the Chinese government who had those 13 exploits that they were using. 
Now, this being an English language and American article uh, was obviously written to say, oh, look at those horrible Chinese people. But the first thought that I had when I saw this was, didn't we do the same thing with Huawei? Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> well, that's what, why I had to get rid of my last cell phone, because it was one of those uh, ZTE phones. And they were right caught up in the Huawei thing. And it was like, well, we're no longer. And I thought this was the greatest thing for our government to do, which was we are not going to allow them to update the software of your phone. So it's like, wait, you're not going to let me get security what? updates yeah. because <laughs> of security. Fuck you. Yeah. That, I mean, once you decide that you don't trust the people pushing updates to your phone, it is a rational decision not to take updates anymore. For example, on a recent No Agenda show, when Adam says that he has turned off all automatic updates on his Graphene OS phone because the Graphene OS people have proven themselves to be woke and spiteful, and he's not sure that they wouldn't just push an update to him that bricks his phone. That is the way it is getting more and more. The ability to pinpoint somebody is interesting with all of this tech. Oh, yeah. It just push out a, a new line of code that says, if Adam Curry, then, you know. I mean, I don't know how they figure out if it's him fire. or not, but I guess, you know, that's another part of the equation. Well, because because the everybody has a privacy threat model that doesn't include themselves. Every software vendor goes into the privacy scene, assuming that, of course, people trust this software vendor. Yeah. Everybody loves Microsoft. So the reason for China's ban on government was to, quote, cut reliance on foreign tech. Um, I, I'm not certain that I like the result of what they're doing, uh, but I absolutely understand that position. Um, the interesting bit that I saw from the article I read in 9to5Mac was um, that there are, and, and they said that there are people arguing. I actually found somebody who was saying this and I wouldn't be surprised if it's true said that Apple's privacy protections are in fact weakened in China because of the Chinese government's requirement that all data must be stored on servers in China, which makes it easier for the Chinese government to intercept that data. Now, I, I don't know how sense. valid, I don't know how valid this is, but it kind of makes sense. Now in response to that on that thread, which was a little bit of a rabbit hole, I'm not going to go too deep down, but Apple said, uh, well, only Apple has the keys to decrypt that data. So the Chinese government, you're safe from the Chinese government, which again is, yeah, but now Apple is not putting Apple on their threat model. How about if it's my personal data, how about I should be the only one to have the keys to decrypt it? Can we have that? Can we do that? Maybe? Thanks. No, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> you cannot be trusted with your own data. Nor can Apple. Not if they're storing it in chat well, or, or anywhere, but I guess that's the concept of, well, you know, if it's encrypted, it really doesn't matter. It could be stored right in the heart of red square. I, I, if it's encrypted, that shouldn't matter. Right. And I, I absolutely understand the, the idea and the rationale that says uh, we don't want all of our citizens data to be shipped across the ocean to be stored in another country. I, Lots of American officials have made that very argument. So you can't really fault Chinese people for, or the Chinese government for doing it either. No, that makes sense. But I, I, I don't know. I, 
anyway, the, it resulted in what is quite possibly a very rational position, despite it being a little bit insular, that says the Chinese government, all, no government official is allowed to use an iPhone at work, period. <laughs> okay. And that's going to um, solve all of their problems. Yeah, I, I, I will solve a very few problems, but it makes a statement. It, it, if nothing else, is in a very effective virtue signal. Well, they do uh, love the, the virtue signaling. Um, I have, I believe I've talked about the Digital Markets Act. Haven't I? Uh, this is one that says that, uh, among other things, one, one of the many, many, many clauses on it. Uh, this is the one that talked about gatekeepers, which is effectively American Silicon Valley companies who run social media platforms and have way too much sway over European citizens, which is what, you know, not exactly the text of the bill. But one of the regulations that the Digital Markets Act put into effect, because now it's passed, uh, is that all messaging platforms over a certain size must interoperate with each other, which has been a huge thing for WhatsApp, who kind of had to start scrambling to re-architect their whole system. Well, the other Apple story that I have is uh, Apple making the argument that it should not have to um, re-architect or change Apple's iMessage because Apple doesn't have enough market share in Europe. Now, according to analysts, because it has to be analysts, Apple won't say, they have a, a close to a billion people use iMessage worldwide, but it's not that popular in the EU. The most popular by far is WhatsApp. Uh, but so Apple is coming out and arguing we should not have to be we should not have to interoperate because not enough people in the EU use it. I don't know if that's going to fly or not. I can see regulators coming back and saying, yeah, but worldwide, you have the biggest platform in existence or one of them. Yeah, but that but, shouldn't count because the law is just in the EU. I, you know, I, I didn't I ran out of time researching this. I was going to go back to like go back to my notes when I talked about it because I had the PDF of the law and see if I could dig through this 200 page PDF to find out what it actually said. And I didn't do that. And, uh, you know, it turns out that uh, nobody at Mac Rumors where I got this article, they didn't look it up to do either. that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, this so, is journalism in the no. 2023s. I, like I said, if I had another 25 minutes, I probably would have, have dug through it, pulled up that PDF of the actual text of the law and come back with that. But of course I'm sitting here going, well, of course it'll be in the article. Why? No. So during the course of looking through this though, I did discover a weird cultural thing and I've never been immersed in Apple ecosystem. So I didn't know this, but are you aware of the concept of blue versus green chats on Apple devices. Yes. Having the Apple device, it shows up in a different color, depending on whether that text is coming from another Apple device or from an Android or something else. Yes. The technical reason, as far as I can tell is if the chat and it is, it is a chat uh, you know, with multiple people in the room, whatever. Um, if it is using entirely the iMessage protocol, then it's blue. But if it is using the SMS protocol, it is green. And I think that's the technical reason behind it. But Apple, the way that they, of course, implement these things and try to lock people in and force people to use Apple products, et cetera, et cetera, the business practices, 
the way that they decide this is they will only use the iMessage protocol and turn the chat blue if every single participant is on an Apple device, uh, which is resulting in some interesting uh, insular cultural thing that I'm not sure is healthy. Um, First of all, the difference between the two is if the chat is blue, it enables multimedia, it enables reactions, labels, uh, a number of Apple proprietary enhancements to messages. Now, the protocol itself is actually open. But so somebody else could implement these features, but Apple will not allow Apple phones, even if there was a, a an Android implementation of everything in this open protocol. Um, the moment that an Android phone enters the chat, the whole chat turns from blue to green and you lose all of these enhanced features. Uh, Apple will actually disable the features across the entire chat. So if you have a large group chat of 10 people and one asshole comes in with an Android asshole comes in with an Android phone, one person is not running Apple and you lose all of these cool features. You lose your emojis. You lose your reactions. You lose your ability to select from a hard coded list of gifs that animate and you're too small and you have to squint. Okay, whatever. So it's, it's not entirely clear why Apple disables all of these features across everything in the chat. The moment one person joins, it's not clear whether that's technical or punitive. I have my thoughts on it, but I don't know, but it is resulting in a culture. And I'm just going to pull some comments from a Reddit thread about this one, about Apple elitism, which just kind of blew me away that this is part of a culture. One person saying, I was excluded from my building group chat, uh, my, my building group chat in one of my former apartment buildings because they didn't want the chat to turn green <laughs> or uh, another person. I've learned recently that I was excluded from entire friend circles because I'm the Android and they're all iPhones and they don't want a green bubble in their chat. The cult of iMessage is real. And this is, this is cultish behavior. <laughs> this is the this new is, racism. This is divisive. This is, yeah, this is insular. This is in group. And it is all based around who has the Apple device. And it is absolutely being fed by Apple's, whether the reason is technical or not, Apple is stigmatizing every non-Apple device by putting up a huge billboard that says, you know, shun the non-believer, shun, shun, keep this poor, horrible Android person out of the chat or you lose all of the funny little flashy features. You lose the marquee tag if an Android person enters your chat. So it's a great way to market and be like, get your friends to buy Apple. That is, if that's intentional, which my intuition is that there's a better chance than not Apple's doing that intentionally and wants this result. That is some underhanded sleazy shit. (laughs) It's hard to disagree with that. And especially when Apple is coming out to the EU and saying we shouldn't have to interoperate with anybody ever because we don't have enough people in the EU. Billy Bones continuing with uh, hack the planet. And where is my enhanced grumpy old features? We we have this is it. This is right. This we are as enhanced as you're going to get. 
You are currently taking part in the enhanced grumpy old features right now, Billy Bones. This is it. This is as good as it gets. So, yeah, um, I, I didn't know about this because I don't have an Apple device and don't want one. But this is this is a new level of sleazy. Basically, w- whether they intended or not, Apple is saying the moment that an outsider enters your chat, we're going to penalize everybody here. I mean, I kind of get it. And I didn't realize up until this point that it's because it's using a different system to send the message, which makes a certain amount of sense. There is a certain amount of technical sense to that, which says that but for features that Apple has built into their system, not being able to work outside of it, well, then it would be very hard to have a group chat where if somebody posted something that only the people on Apple saw, that would be confusing. I can understand. You know, I can get that as well. The important question I have to ask is why? And and I, I know because Apple, why is it so necessary to absolutely limit this exclusive club to only Apple devices? What, you know, again, this is exactly what the Europe, Europe's digital markets app was intending to break was this insular. You, everybody has to be on my platform and nothing else, period. It, yeah, I don't understand why they would necessarily want the Apple messages and SMS to have to coexist. I mean, people might not like it, but if you were on Android, if you had to download an Apple messaging app in order to get those features, that would make a certain amount of sense because you're using their network that, to carry the message. And, and now what you're describing is Facebook Messenger. Yeah, but that would be at least people would have access to whatever features they want. And it's like, well, if you want to talk to the people who are in the Apple ecosystem and then they would just be like, well, fuck you, Apple people, because you're not able to communicate with the rest of the world where this is the Apple balancing act of like, well, okay, we'll let our messages coexist with SMS. But if we do anything we add that SMS can't handle you can't, you know, you can't do it because you can't send it to those people. So I get it's a I, catch I, I 22, get it, but there's so many ways that they could have done it that weren't quite so divisive in platform lock in. For example, um, just don't show the extended features to the Android people. Uh, you know, you could put winky emojis in, uh, you know, con- convert the reaction gifts into emojis. Yeah, whatever, uh, they, whatever those features are, you can just send a there message. There are a lot of things that you could do to make it work better. Given yes. that you're, t- you're, you're pulling your SMS messages into your iMessage platform, you could work a lot harder to n- try to make it look a little more seamless. Right. The way that they do it, at least according to the Reddit thread, and I... The way that they do it is apparently the moment one Android person sends a single message to the group, the entire group loses a huge amount of functionality. That's awesome. That is about the douchiest way they could have implemented That's that. That's awesome. No, it's awesome. I like it. <laughs> but I mean, the the other way to do it, you're correct, would be to be like, oh, you know, a message would pop up on the Android phones that oh ryan bembrose posted a bit of content that this sms does not allow for whatever yeah or or let them know they're missing content the 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 decent way to do it would be something to the effect of uh, on the android they say uh 
here's the text of the message. And then a little note that says this message contains extended features. Download our Apple iMessage for Android app in order to view it. But no, yes. Apple if wants had their platform lock in. And by God, they're going to have their platform lock in by turning every single Apple person into a, a cult member who shuns those dirty Android people that turn their chats green. It is an interesting thing that it's a different color, which is adding a subclass which of is a people giant freaking billboard that people are just pissed about because it's we not don't like, like that a tiny color. little icon that says, Oh, this person didn't get your reaction. gif." we don't like them greenies, man, we don't like the greenies. They're bad. I'm just saying every single decision about how this is implemented is meant to entirely reinforce the cult of Apple to force the non-believers out of the group. Uh, the, the Reddit thread also had a number of people who were saying that they literally switched from Android to Apple because of this so that they could get into their friends group. <laughs> right, because their friends so were keeping them out. obviously it's working. Yeah. So what, what you've got here is a feature designed by Apple marketing. Can't we get everybody just to use IRC? If only. Uh-huh. That's all we it need. It has every feature I need. I can type text into it. It would fix all of the problems with humanity if everybody it, just had to use IRC to talk. IRC even supports emojis exactly the way they should be, which is somebody puts a long string of emojis and I get a bunch of broken Unicode character rectangles in my chat, which is exactly what I need. But this has been something that's been going on throughout the whole history of messaging on the Internet. And for the longest time, you could only communicate. If you had AOL Messenger, almost most people, if you're old enough, if you're close to Bemrose in my age, you had an AOL Messenger account. Yeah. And uh, you, I didn't have, I never had AOL. No, I, I, didn't I actually either. avoided it. But I had the Messenger uh, account. I did, I did have a Yahoo Messenger account. I had an ICQ number. Back before they invented usernames and you only had a number. Um, well, that was the, then, uh, the, right. The IRC. When, when there was an explosion of instant messenger, instant messenger programs and algorithm, what was the one, uh, was it Jabber was the one app that tried to unify all of them? Well, yeah, there was trillion was one of them. Trillium. Yeah. That might've been Jabber might've been one as well, where it's like, Oh, well, you give us your AOL login, give us your IRC yeah. login, give us your Yahoo login. And, and, and that's what you do. You plug in your username and password for each service and it just implements all of them and drops them into the same chat. It was, it was exactly what you need when there's a bunch of disparate forms of communicating. And then that went by the wayside when, uh, you know, probably with the rise of SMS and suddenly there was one protocol to rule them all again and nobody needed a unifying app because everybody just used the same protocol and now everybody's gone away from SMS and now they have WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and Telegram and iMessage and, and nobody uses SMS for anything. And now we really need, we need a program again that just integrates all of them together, which I think is what the digital message, uh, the digital, what, what, what did I call that? Digital the, something act. The digital something. Digital markets act was meant to do. Yeah, DigiGuru said he's uh, so old, his AOL screen name was DigiGuru. Huh. Mine was yeah, Darren3333. I'm not going to say what my Yahoo I name was. Is it still? You probably still have the Yahoo email, so you don't want people. I might, <laughs> but I don't know how to get into it. I don't know, I don't I don't know if the Yahoo, I don't think Yahoo has gone the Google route yet. I don't think Yahoo has ever pruned all They've of those accounts. They probably never deleted a single mail. 
So, no, and they don't. You know, and they, that's the more interesting thing is I've had Yahoo Mail. 300 megabytes of spam. Yeah, well, I've had Yahoo way longer than Gmail, and Yahoo has never once been like, uh, you know, you're you're using way too much, so we're going to need you to uh, start deleting shit. Where Google is, they're like, oh, you I mean, reached- they can try to contact me. I don't think I've logged into Yahoo in 20 years. Well, then they could just delete the account, but. And maybe they have. The Gmail, they're very like, okay, you get X amount. I think it's like 18 gig or something like that of message space. At least that's what's on my account. And once you get to that, it's like, well, you have to either buy more or you have to delete a bunch of stuff where Yahoo never once. And that's all. That was one of my biggest spam email where, okay, what are you going to put? And I just used the Yahoo account. And never once has Yahoo been like, you're getting close. You've used X percent of, they don't care, but they're not trying to sell you extra storage space. I guess where Google is most definitely trying to sell you more storage space. My my Yahoo account was created when I was uh, in college and I don't remember what the hell I was signing up for, but there was something I needed to sign up for like right freaking now. And of course we we were all drinking in a room and, uh, um, I had to get up and take a leak or something. One of my buddies goes in and is like, Hey, I created you an account. Oh, really? And, and also I signed you up for, it was like something to do with the university that had a massive deadline. And so created the account and the account ended up being something like butt pirates at Yahoo <laughs> or something like that. And I think I used that as uh, I used it for Yahoo messenger for a while. Cause why the fuck not? And I think I used it for three or, and eventually I went off to another email address and never thought about it again. But, uh, I mean, at the time, like suddenly I was signed up for this class or something with that email address and you can't, I, the deadline passed and I couldn't do anything. But pirate 69. Now today you would be a protected class if you had that email. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I could probably get some of that cool diversity loving. Ooh, that's a good idea. Like that, that counts as a, as a marginal uh-oh something just went down was that uh was that bemrose was it just clean feed his head's gone am i still on the stream because he just went click and he was gone baby he was gone i guess i can refresh a page here and see if it was me no it seems like i'm still online you guys still online you trolls you still there you still hanging out because bemrose went bye-bye like boom don't know how that all happened yes thank you thank you reverend dr pfeiffer yes you're still here it's a it's a trippy thing when his head is gone i mean i guess that could be uh bringing the show towards the end although he has a backup uh isp i don't know how long it takes to rejigger those handles but we heard the click there was a click and then he was gone did he talk too bad about apple was that it talk too bad about google was that it? Whatever it was, it took him out, man. It took him out. He may never be heard from again. That could be the end of the whole Ryan Bemrose years. He's uh, He's got attachments, so okay. He's in, uh, you've got some, uh, he, he just says, oh, you lost your connection to CleanFeed. Whoa. So maybe CleanFeed hates him. You didn't lose his, uh, I guess, let me. Let me refresh my clean feed. This is very bizarre. This is a whole new issue where we have somebody drop off. I've refreshed my clean feed. Now, if you try to log in again, now is it tell you the 
it just hates you on the uh, on the clean feed. I mean, this could make uh, this could make for a perfect time to end this particular episode. You've lost connection to clean feed. We're doing our best to continue live audio, but you'll need to sign in again. You can ha- this can happen when you lose part or all of your internet connection, perhaps by moving from Wi-Fi to mobile broadband. None of those things I know Ryan Bemrose would do. Considering we just had a long conversation about how everything is wired, how everything goes right into the mothership, but sometimes they uh, they get you. Sometimes they get you. Don't know how, but sometimes they get you. So I guess we will call this one an episode. What an odd way to bring an episode to an end because he's still online, but clean feeds like, no, I was able to refresh and get back into clean feed, but I'm, I'm thinking clean feed does not like the Bemrose ISP. This is a perfect way to send Ryan off on his little road trip to play some disc golf. We hope he doesn't get injured in any way, shape or form while playing disc golf. And drinking, which is more dangerous, the drinking or the disc golf? The answer to that would be yes. And we will be back again next week. Same grumpy time, same grumpy channel right here on the Mighty No Agenda stream. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where my co-host finally thought it was safe to shut off his computer. We have an incoming connection. It says waiting, though. I wonder if this is just another case of a clean feed hating your browser. Was there a browser update mid-episode that took this down? Very bizarre. It says waiting for them. I don't know what that means, clean feed. What does that mean, Sir Bemrose? Waiting for them. What are we waiting for? I'll refresh and see if that has any effect upon the thing doing the thing ryan's like you know i don't update things i know this is true now it when i refreshed it says sir bemrose is connecting this is this is right it's all that butt pirate talk too much butt pirate talk will get you banned don't you understand that i i'm starting to learn yes that was the oddest I got the impression that we finished the show which is fine i was out of notes yeah that was i i mean <laughs> I can attack this on to the end, but yeah, I heard just a click, which was my, uh, yeah. normally I was mid sentence and suddenly clean feed switches over to the screen. I posted an image of, yes, you have it. It's like, I know you're not moving from Wi-Fi yeah. to mobile broadband. And, yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely not moving from Wi-Fi to mobile and I wasn't signed in anyway. <laughs> right. Right. What do you do in clean? That was a, that was the oddest. That is the, I think that's the first full drop we've ever had. It, I, I uh-huh. knock on wood. Yeah, you don't want to. Uh, 
to figure that one. Hey, and I noticed that uh, I got a the message that said UPS is delivering my new gateway. So, wow, that's going to be fun. Now I'll get to, maybe uh, that's what happened. Right. Comcast maybe is, they hooked up your new gateway. <laughs> <laughs> like, how'd you do that? It's sitting on my front porch. They're like, we're good. We're that good. We are that good. I'm sure there'll be plenty to bitch about on the, uh, on the next show. We yeah. hope you don't get injured either oh. playing the disc golf. Oh, this is awesome. The, the last boost from Billy bones, just F. <laughs> well, that's exactly that. That describes the whole show perfectly, yeah. Billy Bones. I think you should also, do this for I, the I whole. Sh- every single one of them is a show number boost. I figure another ten or twenty thousand shows, and uh, we'll get Billy Bones to start sending real money. That'd be awesome. Well, I think you should do this for every show. Just comment at least every few minutes with a boost, and it would be more entertaining for everybody, especially with the, when the boost bot is working and posting those messages to the well the troll room everybody is usually listening to the show but i like that the boost bot even though csb is like oh get rid of boost bot that hardly ever work and uh, I, the dude that does the boost bot he had just updated a bunch of stuff and it it runs over the tor network so i get where there may be issues i mean it, it works more often than any of the alternatives which is nothing yes and where i think it is well worth the one percent fee is when the messages pop up on no agenda social that a boost was sent. I mean, granted people have to be following that, but it's like, there's some interesting content there. And that reminds yeah. people that the show's on. It reminds people that, Hey, boost the fucking show. And, uh, it's a cool and little thing. We can never stop reminding them that. I know you got a boost. The other one I wanted to respond to, uh, is Billy bone saying how long, how soon until this podcast is removed from the Apple infrastructure? Um, are we on the Apple infrastructure? Yeah, well, we've been listed on iTunes or whatever their the uh, their podcast. And I don't think store. there's any Apple infrastructure in the production of this show. No, no, it's. Uh, I mean, we're listed in the yeah. Apple Podcast app. Like, Angry but, Tech News isn't even listed on Apple Podcasts because I'm not going to create a damn Apple account just to submit it. <laughs> yeah, and I had one, which is the Yahoo account that I use. That has yeah. all my spam stuff. I, I guess, but Pirate Sixty Nine could go ahead and submit it to Apple. <laughs> no, I think you have to do that. Good old Butt Pirate Sixty Nine. Never let your buddy choose your email address. Also, the idea of Butt Pirate and Sixteen, like you're like I don't I've understand. Seen much, I've seen too much porn, but the logistics <laughs> of it are are boggling me. You are not that bendy. Like a sixty nine, a like how many people actually have a spine that can do that? I don't know. Are you looking for that guy? Is that what the road trip's about? No, no. But if I could find the right girl who could do that. Ah, don't tell the wife. Right. 